Hello and welcome to Everyone is Everything episode four. A very special episode because today I invited a friend on. She is a psycho-spiritual teacher, an author, a tarot reader, a tree greeter, a bird enthusiast, uh, just an overall curious and insightful human person. And uh, one of my favorite persons, if we're ranking persons. So enjoy Chelsea Jean. So what do you want to do? I want to talk. Okay, <laughs> good. You know, it's, it's funny because I'm nervous. Uh, and I guess I haven't done enough of these to not be nervous yet. Yeah. But there's something because we're friends, cats out of the bag. Uh, we're friends. And that means that I'm not just interviewing a person. So it's almost more vulnerable to talk to my friend in front of other people. You feel like you feel like you can't just interview me? Like that's not a space we can occupy? Uh, you know, I don't know, you know, because I don't, I can't always tell what Sean is going to show up. And also okay. this is my first post work, like eight hours in a cubicle, drive home in traffic podcast. Every other one I had the day off and I relaxed all day. Oh, so this is the first one that like, so there's, there's a whole new mixture tonight. Yeah, so, I like that. There's a little bit higher stakes and maybe more to filter through, but that's great because that's, you know, that's life. So. Right, right. And so, yeah, so it's interesting because I'm thinking about all the people I know who will listen. So you should know, I, I should just formally introduce you to my mom right now because she's going to, she'll be the first to listen. But I no. can't wait. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting because I, I've been starting the podcast so far with, instead of thanking people, telling them why I wanted them on. Yeah. Um, which technically you asked to be on, which is, but it Guilty was what I, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to ask you anyway, because to me, um, you're just someone who is always exploring internally and externally. And I get to watch that and observe it as a friend and kind of see you like always curious always like curious about yourself and then making decisions and doing stuff with that information, which is difficult. Like it sounds harder to do, or it seems easier to do than it actually is. Uh, so I just, that's why I was like, when I had the idea to do this, I was like, well, Chelsea's got to be like the first guest and it didn't work out exactly that way, but here we are. So one of the first that works. But still no, that that delights me, and that was a very um, I appreciate. I guess that descriptor of your just perspective of me and and what I do in my life. And you're obviously someone who's like privy to a lot of the ins and outs because that's a lot of what we share on a daily basis anyway. And you're very good about you know asking me how I'm feeling, which is like something I really cherish about you. Um, 
So I'm excited to always be in this space with you. I'm excited for whatever is going to come up. Cool. Uh, and with that being said, how are you feeling? <laughs> oh, God, it's such a <laughs> that question feels like so weighted today because really? I was just um, kind of ranting and raving to my roommate a little bit ago just before this about, um, you know, as someone who like my dominant psychological function is feeling that is the way that I perceive the world, the way I exist in it, the way I deal with it is first and foremost through how I feel about what's going on and how I feel about things and whatever. Um, and I was kind of complaining that I feel very tense today. Um, I feel like emotionally tense. And if I lay out like the contents of my life right now of what's going on, I, it's, you know, I'm sure there are some things I could name that are worthy of feeling tense. And also by and large, like my life's pretty good and I'm doing okay. And, you know, there's stuff that I'm working with, what else is new, but I feel very tense and I feel like I need a big release and I can't have it. Like I've been desiring a cry for like months mm. and it won't come. And it's feeling very present today that that feels inaccessible to me. And I'm mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting because sometimes I'll hear people talk about how they cried or something and I'll be like, oh man, like I'm jealous. Like I want, yeah, I want to feel like I want to do that because it always feels a lot better coming out of it than sometimes going into it. Um, a cry oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about an ugly cry and I don't think you're, I mean, you're not a crier, right. But like, you'll embrace it if it arrives. Right. I mean, it's yeah. a, we'd have to define a crier, like, like it functionally works, uh, yeah. but it doesn't, <laughs> it, it comes in, in, uh, seasons yeah so like i i can go months with nothing and then i can go you know times where a line in a book or uh yeah. song or anything or just a frustrating moment or whatever can bring it out yeah. so i i've come to appreciate those times though i like i like those seasons so to speak yeah. so so yeah i mean what is a crier how, how often do you have to cry to be officially deemed? That's a great question. Uh, I I guess in my book, a crier would be just like um, e easy to cry, maybe. Like, mm. I think that my my best friend, Sam, would describe herself as a crier just because she, um, she cries easily and often for a lot of different reasons. A lot of it's happy tears, which I always really admire and am frequently jealous of because mm. I think I'd like to be a crier if I could be, but I... Oh seem to not be somehow yeah by that definition yeah I'm definitely not and you know it's unfortunate because as you said that I also realized that I love the opposite side I love silliness and I know you do too and anything yeah. just pointless and silly is the best but I'm not I unfortunately don't laugh out loud as much as I wish I did too so I, I think some of the some of my uh outward expression of feelings are kind of they're not fully uh fully there yet so I either both sides I, I sometimes I think I must I must withhold a little bit even subconsciously so which is weird because I do love silliness I I feel like I can always feel the range of emotion from you mm -hmm. even if maybe you're not um 
you know, exposing it in the way that you would think one should maybe, but, um, yeah. no, I feel like I can always maybe I'm shooting on. Yeah. Maybe I'm shooting on myself. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Like I yeah. should, <laughs> I, I should do this or that. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're bouncing a little bit, which is fine. I'm glad we are because I, I, I wanted this to be conversational, but I do want to talk about the fact that, uh, you are seemingly always looking for outlets to your creativity and your curiosity mm. and whatnot, which is manifesting it in uh, holy architecture right mm. now. Because yeah. I want to talk about it, but I also I want you to kind of maybe give like a lead up to where uh, or which paths you took to get there and why you're there now, and just kind of I mean I know that's kind of broad. And we don't have I mean, you can. <laughs> You can do a short one, but like, I want some background just because, uh, just for listeners who know you as now my friend, but also give us a little bit of what holy architecture is and maybe where that came from. Yeah. Um, I know. I love that you already knew that I, you know, I could take that back to my birth if I <laughs> was mm-hmm. given the time. You can take it back but... to as many births as you need to. It's up to oh, you. Thank you. Yeah. That's even better. Um, no, I, you know, I, I had my own business for the last three, three and a half years, um, called Rose House Coaching. I was a psycho spiritual coach, which is how we met. Um, and I mean, to really put it into like a concise explanation, I just, I ran that business and then just got so burnt out, um, by just, I mean, being a business owner, it's very, very difficult to be a small business owner. Your income is going up and down. And with that, you know, your emotions of handling the up and down of that, and that directly affects uh, your output. And for me, my output was um, a lot of emotional labor. I really love to show up for people. I love to create a safe space for others to arrive exactly as they are. And I love to affirm them in that experience and help them to make sense of it. Um, but when I got burnt out running Rose House, I, I started to clue into that. I mean, a, a year before I finally set it down and had the courage to be like, okay, I have to walk away from this if I'm gonna be able to make it into the next phase of whatever my energy is trying to do. Um, and I think it was just knowing to honor that, that pushed me into it. And then I was in a position of like, well, I, I I don't want to give this up completely. I need to do some other things in my life that create stability. And for me, that was like taking a nine to five for the first time in a while and experiencing financial structure, but I still have all of this creative energy moving and these things that I want to say, and I've always been a writer and, um, something I always wanted to do with Rose House that I wanted to carry forward into the next phase of whatever that wanted to be was writing a book. So I thought, um, I'm going to let Rose House die a beautiful death and find out what this writing piece of me wants to be. And um, I found myself always wanting to write about our relationship to the energy around us. And um, for me, architecture is a big part of that. Um, we're very, very influenced by the shapes around us and um, the the containers that are holding us. I love, I love that shit. I just think it's so potent and it's something that we don't, we think about a lot of things before we think about architecture, but mm-hmm. it makes an impression. 
Um, and there's much more to that, that I don't want to like keep rambling, but there's much more to why I chose that. But um, yeah, holy architecture has just become where my energy wanted to go and a great outlet for my writing. And I wanted people to know me as a writer so that when my book is ready to be read, people are already there with me. So that was me playing chess with myself with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. that, and that makes sense too. And it's interesting because uh, just thinking about the space, the, the physical space you're in mm -hmm. and how significant that is, because I don't think we think about it all that much because it's the same it's all ways to feel safe. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like it's all ways to feel safe, whether that's space in a relationship or space in your room or space in the, in nature. And yeah. I'm not saying that like we need to feel safe. I mean, there, there could be arguments for that, that fear and, and, and what, where that can take us and, you know, doing something out of your comfort zone. I get that, oh, but yeah. I feel like, yeah, it's all, it's all a reason to feel safe. And it feels like, um, the more safe we can feel, the more honest we can be in our relationships, whether it be to yeah. yourself or your art or your work or your mom or whatever it is. Um, so when you said that, I, 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 you know, I, I, uh, that's what I picture. I was like, yeah, never think about my space and the stuff I put around me and how important that is, but it really is. Plus holy architecture is just a super cool name. <laughs> like I was just, very proud of it. It's a great name. And it made honestly, me happy to 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 see it in writing and to to think about it. And I really, I mean, I think I wrote about that in the first newsletter that I pushed out was my relationship to the word holy itself. And mm. you know, because I I grew up Catholic, as you know, and um, I've just had a very disjointed relationship with that word for a long time because of how I was raised and just the challenges that came up for me around being raised in that in that faith tradition. And so I've just had to, I've had to spend time reclaiming that word. And now it's like one of my favorite words. I just want to like take a bath in it. It feels so special. So, um, yeah, to use, it feels, uh, I feel privileged to use it. It makes me happy. Yeah. And you know, it's, there's a couple of things that come up for me right away. When you say that one, the name, uh, I get that because I was on the, I don't know if I mentioned this in another episode, but I, uh, was unsure if I should do this or not, which you were one of the first people I was like, hey, should I do this thing? But when I came up with the name, everyone is everything. I was like, oh no, that's so good that I, now I have to do it. <laughs> so like a name or, or words and like uh, seeing a thing, whether it's written on paper uh, or or typed out or whatever can really influence us to uh it carries so much yeah mm -hmm. I mean it's it can really be the spark and like the diving board that you need to do the thing that you are thinking about doing and when I first was creating Rose House I I had written out a bunch of words that I liked so I wrote Rose I wrote house I wrote cabin I wrote like all these things that just like conjured up images or ideas that felt exciting to me um, but I didn't put Rose House together until I was cleaning my room one day and I was fixing my books on the bookshelf and I saw a piece of cloth sticking out of one of my books and I pulled it out. I still don't know where this piece of cloth came from. I don't know if I picked it up on a trip and then stuck it away in a book. I don't know if it's a book I got secondhand, but this piece of cloth came out of nowhere and it had a hand holding a rose on it and it said Rose House. And I was like, what? And it just immediately was like, that's, that's yeah. it. I mean, the circumstances of that were 
right. were so wild, but it also combined two words I had written down and was like, well, the feeling of that is just perfect. Yeah, I love that. And I felt similar. I didn't have as magical of a moment, but when you hear the thing and you know it's the thing, it also yeah. kind of makes me like hope that at one point you had cabin house written down and we're like, you know, this is this every is iteration. I mean, it's uh -huh. yeah. But <laughs> it's it's funny because the other thing that came up aside from just names and I I could go on about this forever is um is words and like what words carry and how hard it is mm -hmm. to deal with especially when you're talking about spiritual stuff or religious stuff even just oh, yeah. the word religion um and you know I find sometimes uh you know, even if I'm reading a book, there's some days, you know, it might be like a Hindu thing, you know, or Vedanta, and it'll say God a lot. And yeah. sometimes if I can't handle it that day, I'll change it to universe in my head, just so it's easier for me yeah. to, to uh, digest at this time. Uh, and, but I do think words are just so interesting, and so powerful. And one of the things, one of the words that you brought up in the recent uh, holy architecture that I had already written down. I think I text you about this and I was reading the most recent uh, uh, email and it mentioned devotion. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I already had devote. It just said devotion question mark next yeah. to it because I've been thinking about that word a lot. Yeah. And uh, it's for me, I'll tell you where, where I've been coming from with it. For me, it's just been this recognition of like, we're devoted to something, no matter what, like devotion and worship seem like these like heavy spiritual words and in, in uh, modern mindset, unnecessary, or we don't do those or whatever, but you yeah. are devoted to something you are worshiping, you're bowing at some altar. I don't know if it's, oh, if, yeah. if it's, you know, your family, your work role, your something you're, you're giving all your energy to something yeah. you are like bowing down in front of I, I mean it might be shoot it might be the it, it might be something you chose or it might be something subconsciously that culture chose for you you know like making the money and and being right. important and whatever but yes it's it seems and that brings us to you know devotion and just where to point your devotion you know and that's kind of where I've been sitting with that word I'm like oh like even if this stuff is sometimes hard for me to uh, clean off from the history of these words. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I want to point that devotion somewhere that feels right to me. So if that's, you know, if that means I'm going to the Vedanta temple once a week and spending time in their shrine when they let me, uh, that's what I'm going to do as opposed to maybe bowing down to the altar of, uh, you know, my work role or something like that. Yes. Yeah. But I love the distinction because we can be devoted to, I mean, I, the words devotion and worship, I think can, can carry some similar energies and it's very easy to assign them to more of like a religious practice, spiritual practice of some kind. But like, I'm deeply devoted to being like in relationship with my dog. Cause when I first got him, I didn't know how to love him. And I had never owned a dog before. And I very quickly had to be like, you know, cause I think to me, devotion is also very similar to the word commitment, but it has like a softer edge to it and says something about the heart to me that word devotion, devotion always reminds me of like, you know, like, like Mary, 
like thinking about, um, you know, the blessed Mary and just like, she carries this like heart of devotion and she was extremely devoted to her family and to what she believed in. And so it's got this like nice feminine soft edge, at least for me. And, um, and that's helped me a lot. Cause I think if I try to frame my life in a way that I'm like, what am I committed to? What are my goals? That feels the hard edge to those feels very like, I'm sure I could explain this a lot of ways, but for me, it syncs up with like this harmful umbrella of like capitalism that can press down on me that says like, you need to be thinking about the next goal. You need to be better. You need to have more. And that pushes me into a space that feels very like it, it takes away from my ability to show up softly in the world, which has been very healthy for me to do versus the opposite way. And I'll find a balance. But so in that way, being devoted to things and checking in with my devotions feels very nurturing and very soft. So, you know, I'm very devoted to being in loving relationship with my dog. And I'm, I'm very devoted right now to working through like some body image issues that I have. I'm very devoted to like saying hello to the trees outside my house every day, you know, and that, you know, I think that word relationship in there is important because that asks me like, what are you in relationship with? And like you said, like, where is your energy being pushed toward? Because I think through all my years of working with clients in Rose House, that really stuck out to me more than anything is how many things people were devoted to. And they had no idea they were devoted to those things and they were unhappy and they weren't really taking time to zoom out a little bit and go, oh my gosh, like I am my days and my energy is revolving around being devoted to these things that aren't helping me anymore or aren't doing anything or are keeping me in a place that feels really rigid and really unhappy. Um, and so it would just be a matter of me going like, what do you, what do you want to be devoted to? What are the themes in your life right now that feel really potent and inviting and like, let's shift our devotions. Let's do this softly and just, you know, let's, let's redirect over here with our devotions. And I, I just love that. I think it's very powerful. Right. And I, I agree. And I, there's so much, this is the problem with talking to you is <laughs> like, you, you'll talk for like three minutes and I'll be like, there's 40 things that came up. And so I just got to hope like popcorn, some of them come back yeah. and I'm not, I'm not even going to like try to find them all, but, um, which is now I'm forgetting the ones that, uh, I was just going to say, but what I, what one, one of them is what I love about that is there's where people don't see what they're devoted to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you think if you're in a challenging spot, a recurring, like challenging spot, like it feels like you're stuck in a rut or like your life isn't going to get better or whatever. I also have something to say about getting better, but, um, sometimes, you know, we don't realize that our comfort zones we always think of that term meaning somewhere that we enjoy and feels good, but sometimes our comfort zones are those negative spaces and we keep ourselves in there because oh, yeah. we haven't made a choice to devote ourselves to something else. And that yeah. brings us to, you know, lots of self-care and self-love. But like you said, sometimes it comes with a hard edge with like, what are your goals this week? And like, even the term like get better kind of bums me out. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like, I was just going to say, I love that you brought that up because sometimes I think we're devoted to getting better. And mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, 
we're whole right now right in all of our our everything right you know whatever you think is wrong with you right now you are whole because of that wrongness per se and it's not wrong however we think of that and its connotation like it's all right it's all right right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know And and you just I think shifting I think the most powerful thing for me in my life has been shifting from I need to fix what's wrong with me to I need to have a better relationship with my choice making mechanism and what my mm. choices mean to me and what they say to me about the kind of person that I want to be in the world and hell or high water. I'm going to work with all my flaws. I'm going to recognize what my strengths are and are not. And I'm going to celebrate both sides. And I've been much better off for that because I think that can also be kind of part of the capitalism train. Is, and it's just, it's this train that says like, be better. What's next. Right. And it's like, I don't want to, it's so hard to talk about this too, because there are so many trains of thoughts that want to run because there's so many different ways to explain. Like, this is definitely not me saying like, don't have goals, don't want to improve something in some way. I mean, I, that's, that's part of my nature. Like I'm mm-hmm. always struggling with like, how can I be better and do better? And, you know, but I think there's a difference between driving a stake into your own heart, trying to force a way of being that doesn't want to happen or maybe doesn't really make you feel very good about yourself versus being really realistic about like what kind of person do I actually want to be and what does the next risk look like for me and do I feel safe to take a risk and what might that bring me and how am I going to hold it once I have it what's it going to require of me and am Mm -hmm. I ready to be that person and that to me is like extraordinary risk taking versus like well I have to do you know I have to do this this and this and I have to make the money and do you see it? Am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, you're making, you always make a ton of sense. I mean, always. oh, thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I like how I watched you spiral out at the end as if you didn't, Absolutely. but no, you, you definitely did. And I think it just goes back to the, the words sometimes too, because uh, the action doesn't necessarily have to change because you say, oh, I don't have goals anymore. Now I don't have to do a thing. Like we're not talking about inaction here. We're just talking about how do we how do we speak to ourselves and how do we uh, engage with the, with our reality and make it something that feels uh, less daunting. And, uh, yeah. and what's really cool. I, when you were saying like, we're already whole, I mean, we, we hear, we hear that in any, any mystical tradition, mm-hmm. you are already the thing that you're looking for. And also, I mean, being whole and being holy, I mean, these are the same things, you mm-hmm. know, we're not, there's not a it's not a coincidence that those words are so similar um yeah your 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 holiness is recognizing your wholeness and in in the face of all of your challenges and your flaws and stuff like that which is hard to do moment to moment we should just address that totally clearly because like oh yeah i forget all when i'm not talking to you the 80 percent of my day that i'm or whatever like i'm not remembering this always you know what I mean like I'm frustrated and just like lost in thought and forgetting that forgetting the wholeness and thinking that I have you know things to fix or that I'm not good enough or whatever or one person's comment can throw me into a like I knew it I'm the worst um so it's it's more about how we engage with that reality of uh of 
of doing the things. And I mean, I think in the Bhagavad Gita, one of the one of the uh, recurring themes is, um, you know, do the action, but not for the result of it. So, mm. which takes changes the whole game because yeah. now now I'm exercising because I can exercise because I have yeah. a body, not because I can make that body better. Not because Sean with a bigger chest is a better Sean, even though like 80% of the day, I feel like that's true. (laughs) But I know like in the practice of it, like where the Gita would say is it says, do the thing. Inaction is not where it is. Do the work, but not for the, not for the result. So, and I think that helps a lot. Yeah, I think that that posturing just like puts us really in touch with our humanness, you know, like it's it is so incredibly hard to be a human being. And I don't want to add salt to the wound and tell myself that I need to be better and I need to do better and constantly focusing on like, what can I improve about myself? I'd rather, I'd rather live my life. I'd rather be devoted to living my life from a perspective of like, I want to love and celebrate my frustrations. I want to love and celebrate when I try something the first time and I can't get it right. And I have the urge to cry and I have the urge to be better. And I'm going to find this like really holy middle ground in those things of like, well, do you want to be better at this thing? Is that an experience that you'd like to have? And if so, like, okay, let's be devoted to it. But if you don't want to have that experience, that's fine too. We can cry about it and move on, you know, and just sort of like being the angel on my own shoulder, who is constantly just like, Hey, we're doing the thing and you, you cannot escape the pain. You can absolutely get in touch with the divine. You can have it all. You're already whole. So like, what are we into experiencing right now? What experiences are we devoted to having? And like, let's create them. Cause that's why I think I'm here. I'm here to just be a human being and to mm-hmm. experience what that's like during like a very difficult time to be a human being. Right. You know, and there's two words that you threw in there about uh, when you were talking about what you want to experience and that's right now, what do you want to experience right now? Because sometimes I think we come, become beholden to the thing that we, we said we want to experience, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I said, I was going to be a writer. So now I can't stop. And there's that Alan Watts quote that says, you know, you're, you're not responsible or you're not expected to be the same person you were five minutes ago, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, those things can change and moment to moment, they can change. Like you can, you can point different directions now you know obviously uh, that that t- if you take that to an extreme you could find yourself kind of spinning but um i like the idea that you know what am i devoted to right now that could that could if you break it into smaller chunks almost it almost feels mm-hmm. better too it's like right now i'm petting the dog that's it yeah like right now that's the thing that i'm devoted to and like i just and that's actually, it kind of brings me to another, my notes for you are just like one lines. They're not more <laughs> questions. That's great. And one of the, one of the lines just says, and I hope this comes off as a compliment because it means to be, it just says lover of the ordinary, mm. like just yeah. the thing that's, that's like right there. And yeah. like you said, like saying hi to the trees or, and it, it might feel weird, but like, or might sound hippy dippy to say that, but uh, but yeah, the those little bitty thing, those ordinary things. This is the breath, you know. This is the yeah. the thing we do most basically can be one of the most 
uh, you know, fulfilling things we do. So it's interesting. Uh, uh, I feel like I, we naturally kind of got there, but I think I see you as that. And I think, uh, that's so important that we can kind of get in touch with the magic of normalcy of the basic Mm. ordinary stuff that we're not chasing like the next thing, but the thing that's actually there. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the way you stated that the magic of normalcy, because that's how I feel about it. And that's why I moved to where I am. So, you know, your listeners don't know, like I just moved to the middle of nowhere, truly after living in big, big cities for the last decade of my life. Um, And I did it because my physical body was giving me signs again and again, that it was in fight or flight mode, no matter how, like, I feel very, I have felt the last few years very like emotionally and spiritually liberated. I feel really, really good um, in those areas of my life, but my body just continued to tell me like, I'm really unhappy and I didn't know what to do for it. And I was ruminating on it and just absolutely tearing myself up. And I finally just I put my feet in the river in Nashville and I said, what do you want? And very clearly felt like I got a message that just said, go, go live in nature just for a little while for me so I can calm down. So I moved to the middle of nowhere to be with the magic of just the small things and normalcy. And it's incredibly challenging. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wrote in one of my newsletters too, that like, you know, I've been dealing with this fear that I won't have anything to talk about anymore because I, I'm, I'm living in a place where the mo- sometimes the most exciting thing that happens in my day is that my dog and I saw 10 deer on a walk, a which actually does feel very exciting, Yeah. but compared to maybe the life that I'm used to living in these like very fast paced places with so much going on all the time. And my dating life is here and it's there. And, you know, I have this job and that job. And now my friends call me and they're like, what's new? And I'm like, nothing really Mm. is new. There are things that I'm excited about, like the deer or, you know, we just got our first snowfall and it's beautiful. And I honestly don't even know what else I could name. There's like, it's this feeling of like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to be entertaining anymore now that I'm focusing on the smallest aspects of being alive. But like, what I'm I'm also very very aware that it's like a a gift that I'm able to place myself in this position and feel challenged by this so that I can calm down which is what my body asked for I don't even know maybe where I was fully going with that but just that normalcy that you mentioned I mean I think that we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make our lives something really interesting and it can steal from us a little bit. Um, It can, it can trick us into feeling like we're devoted to things that maybe we don't need to be devoted to. And that's what I'm exploring here. And I might have a completely different take on all of this in six months when my time here is done. But um, that's sort of just what's been running through my head about it in the couple months that I've been here, at least. Right. Well, the cool thing about uh, talking to you is that you just like went down a couple of the things that I had written down already. 
like the one right after uh devotion question mark is just feeling feel like feeling your feelings in your body question mark which yeah. you just kind of expressed how to how how you know one example of you feeling it and then listening and then acting which acting is sometimes the hardest part but listening is also very hard hearing it is also very hard yeah um, yeah but uh what was the other thing that came up during that i had another note where is it i don't know um yeah, I kind of lost it. But yeah, I, I think that's that is one of the things that I think is so hard is just to listen, whether it be to your body or the thing you want, or, you know, and know, like you in your most recent newsletter, knowing what you want, F off. Mm. Like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> like, I like, I don't know. <laughs> it's why it's why I built such a rigid routine in my life. So I have I don't have to ask myself, what do I want? I just know yeah. today is this today is this today is this. Well, I think I mean, honestly, I think it's the only I shouldn't speak in absolutes, but to, it seems like really most of the time, at least the only part of you that is asking about what you want is your brain because it just mm -hmm. needs your, your ego, your brain, it like needs something to focus on. And usually, unfortunately for us, that means something that is maybe rooted in like some sort of emotional chaos or like something for you to focus on, like a problem to solve. I've realized that a lot over the last year that my brain is like, Hey, where's the problem to solve? And I'm like, why, why do we have to conjure up something like that to focus on? And so for me, the last like two months, I went down this rabbit hole without meaning to of just feeling really restless and my brain being like, we got to figure out what we want. And I finally was like, do we, do mm -hmm. we like have to figure out what we want? Is that a real question right now? Or do I actually like, if I name what I'm devoted to, do I actually already have the things that I quote unquote want? And when I did that, it was very obvious. I was like, all I really want right now is to be happy and to have good relationships. And I was really easily able to name good relationships and things that make me happy. So it was like, why are you putting this pressure on me? Because if I, I like to do this thing where if I'm really, um, if I'm really struggling with a decision or if I find myself that I've been ruminating on something, I will kind of give myself a little space when I realize I've been doing it to zoom out and I'll ask myself, well, what does your brain think about this situation? And then I'll say, what does your heart feel about this question or this situation? What does your gut want from this situation? And what does your intuition know to be true in this situation? And that helps me to kind of lay out the moving parts and find what's actually true versus what's just like a pattern that I'm in of questioning something or wanting something that I actually don't need to be like focusing on right now. Right. It's and very, you know, very helpful. it's interesting too, because I know there's probably, there's times where I get very frustrated, not knowing what I want or what I should do or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll think like, um, it's hard. Like, well, someone will be like, well, what are your, what's your intuition say? It's like, I don't know. I don't know where that is. I can't find that. I don't know what my heart says versus what my head says. Like that's come on. Like I, when I'm in that mode, I'm like, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear that. Cause yeah. I just want to know the answer because it's multiple choice. Give me which letter to fill in and I'm good. Yeah. And recently, and you know this, and I don't think I've expressed this on the podcast, but um, I'm essentially just like ripping off 
like Pete Holmes and his podcast. Like, I just want to like have the conversations he has and like have those, these kind of things. But so I will probably spew stuff I heard on that podcast. So here's the first one. <laughs> just recently, they were talking about understanding the difference between um, how to listen to your heart and listen to your head. Mm. And because I, I just don't get it. Like, it's not something that's easy to explain. And they said, okay, well, <clears throat> if I ask you, I'm going to ask you two questions. Mm. Um, you know, what is two plus two? And you say four. And mm -hmm. you know, and, and then, you know, you kind of know how that felt when you got the yeah. answer. And then they asked, you know, um, like picture someone that you love, like really dearly, mm. that you have like mutual love for, whether it's a parent or a niece or whatever it may be, or a dog. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> and then they ask the question, does that person love you? Like, and they say, and you say, well, of course. And then they say like, where did you feel that one? Where did that answer come from? And the answers come from two totally different places, you know? And I really, really like the third question that was asked because I think possibly for some people, both authorities might chime in and that right. could be an indicator of who's saying what maybe that's what you're saying but I I love that like question that came at the tail end because it was like here's the real right here's the real right. money <laughs> it's just, yeah it's just about like where do you feel the answer yeah. like when you think about a math problem where do you feel the answer and when you think about someone that you love where do you feel the answer yeah and it's like oh that's that's the difference. And yeah. that was very, uh, something I'd never heard. And I haven't been able to utilize that. I mean, this was literally, I heard this like a couple of weeks ago. So it's a new concept for me, but I really liked it. And it really cleared some of that confusion up for me where I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to access that. It's not as yeah. plain and absolute as I want it to be. Um, yeah. I appreciate hearing that too, because I think sometimes I can, you know, with the explanation I gave, you know, what does your head think? What does your heart feel, et cetera? I forget sometimes that someone else might hear that and go, what the hell are you talking about? Like, yeah. how do I, how do you expect me? And for me, it's like, whoa, you know, I know how to do that because I've been doing it forever. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, yeah, I know how to do it, but not everyone, you know, I facilitated, facilitated a workshop a couple of years ago. And one of the questions or, or not questions, but one of the things I kept saying to the group was drop into your heart. And when I asked for feedback after the session, my friend Mark said, um, Hey, you kept using this phrase, drop into your heart. And I had no idea what you meant by that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that that might be challenging for someone to be like, how, what does that mean for me? How do I do that? Um, so I love that you took that and broke it down because I think what you just said is really helpful because it does start with just learning the language of each of these pieces of you. And even I think buying into the fact that these pieces have a different voice and it takes, it's the exercising of a muscle, just like anything, um, you know, and it's having to convince people that it's worth finding out what those voices are. Um, and there's no real there's maybe not a real concrete way of like proving to them before they can do it, that it is real and that it works. It's just a matter of being like, I can, I can show you for myself, maybe how this, mm -hmm. 
how this can be effective, but until you feel it, like I can't tell you what that feels like in your body. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about spirituality in general. I love helping people to define their meaning making systems and their spiritual language that makes sense for them, but I cannot tell them what to believe because their experience of God is going to be so much different than mine. I have no idea how it feels in their body compared to how it feels in mine. Right. And I, I, yeah. Well, that's just, I mean, that's just a blanket thing that if we could just remember that everyone is experiencing things different than you are, we would probably be in a much greater place, but uh, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's so interesting because people use these terms, like you said, as if they're basic terms and stuff. It's like, if I go to a mechanic and I can't even give you an example, that's how little I know about cars. Like if they were just like, you know, they said a thing they say it like it's a thing I should know about. And I'm like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I don't, like, I don't have the same language to express that, but luckily we all are human and have human bodies that, um, tell us things. So, uh, it's just, it's learning your system a little bit. And I'm very much at the beginning of this. So I'm definitely not an expert, but I recognize the truth of it, that, that your yeah. body is telling you things, whether it's through goosebumps or through a, uh, a upset stomach or, uh, or, you know, you welling up with tears and you're just like, you, I'm not saying don't be in that moment and experience that thing, but sometimes an inquiry into why did I react like that might be just what you need to help you next time, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's just so valuable to listen to your body and you know because they're tools there's a bunch of tools there that are kind of showing you things so I, I just think that's super super valuable um yeah but uh let's see what else we got on my notepad for you oh you know what here's what we're gonna do so <laughs> near this is uh i mean i don't know how long we've been talking now i don't know how to find it on zoom but uh, so one of the things, cause I want to spend a little bit more time, I think on this than with the other guests. Um, one of the things I've been asking guests is to just give me something like a suggestion. And that could be like a book I like, or a song I mm-hmm. like, or, uh, you know, people, or a practice that I like, or anything at all. That's like, Hey, you should, you know, here's something that works for me. Cause people like to share like, Hey, yeah. I've been, I've been taking these walks and they make me feel so much better and whatever it is. Um, So, and I have, because we're friends and I'm not uh, just straight up interviewing you, I have some as well today, which I haven't shared on any other podcast, but, um, but yeah. So do you have anything that you can think of that's just like, oh yeah, I do this or buy a dog or listen to this or whatever. Like it could be anything. Yeah. I feel like I could name so many things. (laughs) Yeah. Pick a couple. Yeah. I mean, I, I also like have this desire to like name something no one else would name, you know, Mm. to be like the one person that's like, nobody else suggested this. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll just intuitively go with the first thing that came to mind, which is, I don't think what I would normally recommend, but I have benefits. So here's the thing. I get a lot of crap all the time from my loved ones and acquaintances for liking astrology. Mm -hmm. So this is not me saying you all need to believe in astrology. Go look up astrology right now. What I want to talk about is the 
framework that astrology provides for, for inquiries into the self that have been so incredibly helpful for me. So whether you believe in astrology or not is irrelevant. What is really lovely about it is it gives you an opportunity to be extremely intentional with checking in with yourself. So for example, we just had a full moon lunar eclipse. Um, if you are into astrology, you know, full moons are typically about releasing what is no longer serving us, but even taking like the moon out of it, like great, take some time to write about what is no longer serving you. And that way you're checking in with your devotions. What have I been devoted to? That's no longer working for me. What do I feel like has really run its course in my life? And I can finally set it down and make room for something else, you know? And I think that, you know, I'll talk to people who are like, oh, I just don't really know where to start with working on myself. And it's like, there are a lot of different containers out there and astrology is a great one. You don't have to believe in it, but find an astrologer. Um, Chani Nicholas is a great one. And Chani provides updates and journal prompts. I mean, I do journal prompts with like every major astrological transit. And I think the one that I was writing about today asked me how I feel about like um, safety versus like structure and what my definition of those two things are and how they are present in my life or not present and how I, you know, how I feel about them. And it's just, it's really helped me to do all the things that you and I have talked about in this entire time together of like checking in on what we're devoted to, um, understanding the language of our, our minds and our hearts and our bodies, and just like really building a holistic relationship with yourself so that you know what's going on and what's moving for you so that you can make choices that are a better reflection of like what you're going through right now and what makes sense for you and what you really want to, I want this season to be over. I'm done working on this part of myself. How do I release it? Well, we can release it by identifying like what's trying to come in and identifying what skills we've gained through going through this season, you know? And it's amazing how I've just run into a lot of people who are like, how do I become aware of that? And really it's just find a system. And mm -hmm. I think astrology is great. So that's my, that's my big recommendation. You don't, you don't have to believe it, but it sure is helpful. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I like that a lot because people will talk about tarot and they'll talk about these things and they'll be like, oh, that's not a thing. And it's like anything that, anything that you use to reflect on yourself and your experience and really be honest, anything that causes honest introspection yeah. is good. Like any yes. access point, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's tarot, astrology, if it's Marvel movies, if you're like, you know yeah. what, like Captain Marvel made me think about this. Cool. Like whatever Great. it is, like yeah. it doesn't matter, but anything that kind of gives you a access point into that, I think it's so good. So, and I do think, especially with ones like astrology that get, get kind of uh, made fun of by people or, I mean, religion too, all of yeah. that stuff, all spirituality kind of gets a bad rap and it's like it's not yeah. we're not talking about you know something magical and this like like non-functional thing we're just talking about ways to look at yourself ways yeah. to be more 
closely under like a, a closer understanding of who you are and how you are engaging with all of this and i think so i really like that and also nobody has suggested astrology so yeah. you are the first <laughs> um but yeah i love that and uh so yeah let me let me give you one or two of mine and if you yes, think of another yeah. like because I haven't done this. So one of my favorites, and I think we've talked about it, but I always like to talk about it when I can, is take like your favorite love song, whatever it is, uh, and re sing along to it, but think about it as you're talking to yourself. It's like my favorite thing in the entire world. <clears throat> if you just turn the lyrics inward, it's oh my god it'll break wow you that just made like, me so emotional that's great. yeah so here i'm gonna be even more vulnerable here because i think that's why i started this podcast is to yeah. be vulnerable yeah so the one the the reason that i found that is i was listening to the cranberries because oh. i was alive in the 90s and my mom played them constantly oh yeah um, i mean we would come i just gotta throw a sidebar in I just remember coming home from school and she worked tons like all the time. But when she was home, she'd probably fill the, fill the house up with snacks and the windows would be wide open and there'd be incense play or incense playing incense burning and mm. cranberries a lot of the time or stuff like that. So I have a connection yeah. with the cranberries, but there's a song that they have, uh, called dreams you know dreams mm -hmm. by the cranberries absolutely it's like super super right so let me read these lyrics i'm gonna i actually screenshot it earlier in Yay. hopes that maybe yeah. this would come up so i'm gonna read you chunks of the lyrics the ones that hit me um so yeah. any song would work but uh these are the lyrics and picture it not for someone that you don't know or someone you know but yourself mm -hmm. and so uh it's in the verses too so she says I know I've felt like this before, but now I'm feeling it even more because it came from you. Mm -hmm. And then I open up and see the person falling here is me, a different way to be. So that, that just that alone. And then the next verse, uh, she says, and now I tell you openly, you have my heart, so don't hurt me. You're what I couldn't find. A totally amazing mind. So understanding and so kind. You're everything to me. And it's like, say that to yourself. I got goosebumps. I don't care if anyone it's, else I'm did. I'm like crying. At me. <laughs> yeah. Like, say that to yourself. Like, the thing that you're looking for from someone else is the thing that you can give yourself. And I, and I, and I looked it up and she was like, Dolores the singer had some interview where she's like oh that was just like a cheesy love song that I wrote when I was young about someone else I was oh. like, no it's not you don't even know what life you just she has no that. idea <laughs> yeah so sing your favorite love song to yourself and see how it feels is one of my suggestions I'm already thinking about it and I'm going to listen to it in nice headphones after this and just probably just cry mine's Harvest Moon by Neil Young and I'm already thinking about like the first lines and I'm like oh okay I'm gonna you have to remind me of that because I want to I want to try it even if it's not as uh nostalgic for me as the cranberries I want to try it yeah um, that's great so any that. other suggestions that pop in your head um I mean this one I think is one that most people would recommend but meditation saved my life 
Thank you. And it's the reason why I'm able to do all of the things that I do as far as working on myself and loving myself and being patient with myself and being truthful with myself. Um, and, and it's given me the ability to like acknowledge how much shame and, and guilt that I carry and be like really kind about it. Um, all of it has come from that practice because it mm -hmm. just slows everything down um, in a way that nothing else can. And I think it takes a lot of courage to decide to make meditation a practice. I mean, it's not easy to be still first and foremost, and it's definitely not easy to be with yourself. If you're someone who's used to just going and going and going and being devoted to your anxiety and being devoted to a fast paced way of being that slowing down and being with yourself in that way can feel, I think, extremely threatening. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's also just, I think, a, a really wonderful, wonderfully powerful act of love. And I'm really grateful to my 21 year old self who decided to dabble in it. And I, I dabbled and then around 24, after I had, um, survived like a, a pretty abusive relationship my mom kind of recommended meditation to me again and I really went into it and I and here I am right well <laughs> you know and, so it it got me through um some of the worst years of my life and and kept my kept me breathing and right. um now it's my best friend yeah and I as you were saying as you were leading up to before you said the suggestion my brain was already like, just say meditation, say meditation, <laughs> because I yeah. haven't really talked about it directly in any of the episodes yet. And, oh. uh, it's, it's such a cool thing. And it's, it is scary though. Like you said, it's not easy. And it's like one of those things where it sometimes will lead you to these revelations and they're revelations you can't unknow. You know, yeah. a lot of people will say, I don't want to look in, I don't want to look inside. Like, I don't want to yeah. see what's in the box because I know it's scary stuff. And it was one of my things when I recognized, and this isn't like major trauma or anything, but I, I, I have always been like a huge metal head and it was always been like yeah. music has been my whole thing. And then at one point I, I started, you know, as I started meditation, I recognized that although I do love that and will always like cherish metal it's going to be my like thing for my whole life without a doubt i yeah. realized that my obsession with it had a lot to do with a fear and i was protecting myself from all the people who i was shy and i wasn't okay being out in the world so i was just like fine i have this armor now and now i yeah. don't want to be like you now i'm the heavy metal guy and f mm. everybody and that was really it was needed at the time i needed the armor oh yeah at a certain point, I I started meditating and I was like, oh, it was fear. It was mm. fear that started this, that I needed the defense mechanisms. And now mm. I get to take off that armor and hang it on the wall and still listen yeah. to all the metal bands, but I don't have to wear it constantly. And yeah. it's, it's easier to walk around the world when you're not wearing so much armor, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I want to give like a piece of advice too, because I something that can feel really discouraging when you're first getting into meditation is, um, I think most people's impression of meditation is you sit down and you clear your mind. Well, in the world that we live in, like that's just not going to really be accessible for most people, the ability mm -hmm. to just clear your mind. I, I don't think I can name one person who can just do that. Mm -hmm. 
And the best piece of advice that I got from the teacher that I had when I was 24 was um, he just would tell me, he gave me a mantra because I learned transcendental meditation. So I got like a word at a ceremony. And at this point, I just tell people like, find a word, find a Sanskrit word, find a word that evokes, um, you know, positive feelings for you, if that needs to be the case, and just repeat the word over and over. And, he, and my teacher said, if your mind drifts, just let it. Don't say, oh, I'm not getting it right. Oh, I need to clear my mind. Like, just let your mind drift. And as soon as you've really realized that you've drifted, just gently come back to that word and start again. And it, it, that helped me a lot because I'm very, I'm ADD. So there was no quieting my brain, but it trained my brain. So now when I say that word after so much time of doing it, my brain goes, Oh, it's time to shut. It's time to shut off. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't wander at all anymore, which I never thought would be an experience I could have because my brain is always going. So that's, that's when I teach people meditation, that's the rhythm that I teach them is like, this is about being patient. This isn't about you know, needing to clear your mind like that will come. But right now, that's not what this is about. Well, and also the usefulness of meditation. If we in our culture, we love things being useful. But the usefulness yeah. of meditation isn't clearing your mind, but it's engaging with the chaos in a better way. So if yeah. you sit down and you say like, oh, I kept losing my focus, I suck at this, I can't meditate that like you said every time you bring it back every time you notice the thought and you don't say oh i messed up and you say hey here's the thought all right back to the mm -hmm. mantra or back to the breath or back to whatever yeah. thing you're focused on that i mean it's hard to make it through 10 breaths without i've been doing it for years and it's hard to make it through 10 breaths without being like i wonder what this is oh i lost it and i'm like yeah. all right <laughs> hey let me go back to the breath yeah. but that 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 ability to like to see and an external thing, whether or internal in terms of this, but a thought or a thing happens and you're able to say, oh, okay, now we'll go back and not just grab onto the thing and just ride it wherever it wants to go. Yeah. And so the usefulness isn't in necessarily clearing your mind, at least for us in our culture and our time. Yeah. That's just like the, the true uh, usefulness seems to be being able to engage with the world in a softer way. Oh yeah. It's, it's helped me to identify like patterns of thought too, that like aren't useful to me right now. So I can be like, Oh, I see that this thought pattern is approaching and like, okay, Hey. And also I don't think I need you right now instead of mm -hmm. just running with it. Yeah. Um, and it's helped me to not take everything so incredibly seriously all the time, which mm -hmm. is also a nice little gift it's given me because you have to laugh at yourself a lot. I think especially when you're first learning meditation or even years down the road. I mean, I find myself constantly being like, Oh, like you're the way your brain works astounds me. Like, right. you know, we've been in this together for 32 years and it still is just like such a funny mystery sometimes. And I have to, I have to laugh rather than be mad because I'd rather laugh than be mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think, just not being so strict. Having a practice is good. Yeah. Having a real routine that you stick to is good. But even lately, my since I've been doing these podcasts, almost every time I sit down, because I try to sit down in the morning for 20 to 30 minutes, no matter what. Mm. And when I do, I set a timer because I don't want to quit early. So I set yeah. a little timer and I sit down and uh, I have like a little shrine set up and I have my incense and I do the whole bit. Yeah. But lately, since I've been doing the podcast, 
almost inevitably, I think of quest questions pop up, like something yeah. I could ask you and something I could ask somebody else. And they're always the best ones because like, so like throughout the, today, I can't think of any. And, but yeah. initially I was like, no, don't, don't stop. Med You're supposed to meditate. So you can't stop and write that down. You have to stay here and just, and it, what would happen is I would lose those questions. Mm -hmm. So now I've taken the softer approach. And when the question, I open my eyes, I write it down and then I go back to it. And it's fine that I, that, because initially I thought if you don't have your eyes closed for that full 20 minutes, you suck and you messed up, yeah. you know? Whereas now I can just, you know, I recently, very recently, I've been like, no, open it up, write down the Chelsea question and then go back to it. Like, yeah. you're fine. I mean, like, it's whatever it wants to be, which I think is also really powerful because that helps me in my daily life to let myself be whatever I need to be and mm -hmm. let other people be whatever they need to be. Right. Right. You know, uh huh, for sure. So my other suggestion, this one is new. This is new and it's way less deep. You're not going to cry about this one, <laughs> but I noticed it. I noticed it when I would get gas, I would stop and get gas. And, uh, this is going to sound silly, but I noticed how far I can see. Do you ever notice how far you can see? Like in the daytime, like if you have a clear view of like the skyline and not looking at the clouds, but look as far as you can. And I'll try to find a, like a building or a tree is really far away. And okay. when I focus on just something super far away, I, I get like totally sucked into the scenery and the moment. And all of a sudden, like, uh, I've never articulated this by the way. So if it sounds like a crazy, I love it. Keep like, going. Like, <laughs> man, like, like if it sounds like I just bumped my head and I'm trying to like work out who I am, that's fine. But I'm here for it. I notice how far you can see. I'm just saying, find a focal point. That's a ridiculous, like as far as you could possibly see and tell me that you're not like in a zone. That's all I'm saying. Also, like if I'm at the gas station, this helps me not look at my phone when I'm there. I just get out and I just look at the world and it's oh, so man. much better. That's and a whole like, other train we could ride. I think is mm -hmm. just experimenting these days with not being on your phone when you're like waiting in line at the pharmacy or at a dentist appointment or getting gas and just like looking around. I kind of loathe how weird I feel when I'm not looking at my phone in those moments now because I'm mm -hmm. so used to being absorbed in it and it it feels really great sometimes I've also gotten interesting like looks from people or I've been engaged in conversation from people who are like I've noticed that you're just standing and looking around like it's 1997 and I'm like that's exactly what's going through my head yeah. it's like it is the 90s right now and I am just trying to be present with what's happening. And I don't know where to look. I don't know what to do with my hands. It is, but it, I'm devoted to that. Let's add that right. to my devotions. Well, get, it, yeah, for you, it's, it's finding a point far away. And for me, but, it's just standing and looking around and it's, feeling like, what am I doing here? I'm going to make it so you don't feel as weird about that. I, I will do it in the sense of where it's not always far away. Like I, so I'm going to give a weird example. If I go to the bathroom at work, yeah, I walk in the bath, I get up from my desk. I walk, I see the door. I open the door. I go to the bathroom. I go to the urinal. I look at, you know, the soap. I look at the, my hands. I look for the, I look at all the spots I need to look to get the thing done that I need to get done. Right. 
So yeah. lately, lately, the thing is peeing. The thing yeah, is peeing. thank you. <laughs> so in case you were like, what's he doing in the bathroom? Like I it's no mostly, it's mostly yeah. pee pee. So yeah. anyway, uh, I've noticed that some days I'll go in and I'll look at the ceiling or I'll look mm. at the corner of the ceiling where the ceiling meets the wall, or I'll look at like under the sink or something. And I'll just be like, whoa, it's like, I'm in a, it's like, I'm all of a sudden in like a, like in Narnia or something where everything is different. Like I'm noticing it's, it's such a simple thing. And I know it sounds weird. That's in the bathroom. All of a sudden I'm like, where, where am I? And it's like this weird magical thing that like, if you stop anywhere and look around, stop, like just break the thing that you always look at and just look around. Oh yeah. Everything gets amplified. Right. It's It's crazy. Yeah, I, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, you could, if, if someone there, there's a situation where someone walks into the bathroom and I'm just like, look at the corner of the ceiling, bro. Like there's the situation where that's, that could happen. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, a uh, that's definitely true. Just look around. Yeah. Just, just look, look around. Just yeah. look. look at stuff. Like you, someone gave you, <laughs> someone gave you eyeballs, like they're pretty hopefully. extraordinary when it yeah. comes down to it. Yeah. Someone gave you eyeballs and those eyeballs like talk to your brain and Some tell you stuff. Marbles rolling around in your skull. Right. Someone gave you like weird little crystal balls, face balls, <laughs> little crystal face balls, and they put them in your head. And now you can see stuff <laughs> like, it's but pretty miraculous. Right. And it's funny because I'm, I'm reading this book about the shamanic uh, history of Judaism. And it's so cool so far. I'm only two chapters in, but it's one of the things he talks about in this book is bird watching. He mentions it real quick and he talks about bird watching. And okay, so hear me out. I've always had a little, okay, now we're going to, we're going to differ a little bit. I've always been skeptical of bird watching and I couldn't figure out why. Hear me out. I was always just like, I don't like, here's the thing. People would bird watch. And I was like, I like the act of watching a bird. Yeah. But there was something about bird watching that threw me off because I was like, these people don't seem like they're super present always. They're so this is the interpretation I was I was having. It might be false. But what this guy in the book said, uh, which really cleared it up for me, he's like, if you can look at the bird and not write down what kind of bird it is, not think about what it's doing, not try to like put it into a category of it's a bluebird and I just saw a bluebird or whatever. Just look at the thing. Just don't name it. Just look at it. That's the magic. Like that's where it's at, where if you just look at it without putting anything on top of it. And I was like, that's, that's the difference. Like I'm not cataloging the world, you know? Cause when you say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're just watching a thing. You're exist. just watching. You're not catalog. And it's good. I understand cataloging and like understanding our world is important, but if you look at a tree without thinking about how it's a tree and just look at its shape and what it's mm-hmm. doing, one of my like, favorites, it's, it, it breaks your brain. You know, yeah. your brain wants to be like, that's a tree and it's fine. Uh, but if you just look at it for, just look at it, period. I'm not even going to add anything to it. Just look yeah. at this thing. And pretend like you've never seen it before. Oh, that's be my like, favorite thing to do. What? You, you'd just be so confused. You'd be like, everybody, come here and look at this. Yeah. There's this <laughs> huge thing coming out of the, the, the thing we walk on. And like, without the names, and we're going, we're getting back to names. Without all the names. So names are very, our words are important. But also, it's important to, to just 
live in the place with no names sometimes. Yeah. So, I'm convinced that that's the practice that's going to keep me happy into old age is, mm. is practicing looking at things without expectation and without trying to name them just as if I was a kid again. Mm -hmm. And it's possible to do it. You just have to let yourself kind of experience like wonder again. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's been a long time since you've done that, like it's still in there, you got to reach in and grab it, but it definitely is going to require you to walk out and just get a little silly and just look at stuff, which sounds right. so trivial, but it is so incredibly yeah. powerful so i i yeah. love that that's your suggestion because it's mm -hmm. it's life-changing right right so um the question the last question i've been asking people actually i think i asked the suggestion one last but we're switching it up today because oh. there's no rules in podcasting yeah. so um the the last thing i'd like to ask is the um, you know peter pan Oh, yeah. Have you ever met Peter Pan? Do you know him personally? No, I'm. I I wouldn't say that I've met Peter Pan personally. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the question I'm asking. Uh, okay. <laughs> so there's a there's the the Lost Boys always have a, a happy thought that allows them with a little mm -hmm. bit of pixie dust to fly. And I've been mm -hmm. asking people like, what's your gut response to like, what's your happy thought? Like, what's a thing that you can just call on? And it could be different now than it is 10 minutes. So don't worry if in 10 minutes you were like, oh, I should have said this. Just what's the thing? Yeah. It's uh, any, any memory I have of being on stage. Hmm. Wow. Truly. That is, that is my happy place in the world. I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I have That's cool. plenty of memories to call on of, of being in a show and, and just being on stage. And it makes me happy every time. Wow. That's really cool. Cause I'm the opposite. If I think back of my stage days of being in a band, I'm like, Oh God, like that was, the oh, most, really? I love creating music, but I do not yeah. want to, I was much more, I was a perfectionist and I still am, but I, I had a lot of uh, identity tied up in the, whether I was playing it right or not. So sure. yeah. that's probably it, but that's a cool answer that I wasn't expecting. That's a very cool answer. And you said it with a curiosity that makes me think you're going to think about it more. You have been thinking about it. Absolutely. That, yeah. I, like, I've been having, I've been dreaming again lately about being in rehearsal, being at auditions, being on stage. I just had another dream last night that I was auditioning for a show at a place I used to audition at a lot. And it's just, it's definitely, it's calling out to me again, doing a show. So it's cool. just on my mind night and day as the thing that like, will never leave me. It's just always going to be the thing that I love most. That's awesome. Um, I really liked that because it was a shock even to me. So Ooh, uh, I like that. I, I like that. Because <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of times I feel like we've had a lot of experiences where it's just like you said something and then I'm like, oh, that just happened to me, or vice versa, a lot of synchronicities. Yeah. So I like that I didn't have any clue that was coming. Um yeah. but yeah, that's about it. Uh, I will say that, um, you know, it was, it was fun to do this with someone that I'm, I'm closer to. So I appreciate that you offered right away. Cause that was yeah. super cool. And if anyone's listening and they're like, should I make friends with someone on the internet and then meet them somewhere in the woods where my phone doesn't work? You definitely should do that. <laughs> Absolutely. You should. <laughs> Um, and also don't listen to that. Well <laughs> don't listen to that advice. If someone invites you to a, the wooded area where your phone doesn't work, don't go. But for us, it worked out. 
for us um, it was great among the trees um so yeah and i'll i'll uh i'll make sure i have all the links and stuff on the on the page whenever i put this out uh so. but yeah is there anything else for you are you feeling good I feel great. I really enjoyed this and I'm just so happy that you're doing it. And, um, it's an honor to be a guest and I can't wait to see what else you do. Cool. I appreciate that always. Um, so yeah, uh, well, I will probably talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. I'll probably text you in a couple of minutes or something. All right, cool. (laughs) Enjoy the the harvest moon. Is that what you're going to listen to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. Tell me how it goes. Thank you.